I'm Gaz Coombs, and this is The Sound Purchase. Jake. Hello there. Uh, General Stefani. Yeah. I can't remember where I was listening to one of our old episodes the other day and I was having a big laugh. Was it General Egregious? General Egregious, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely is a major character now. So uh, well, That's just you playing the Rhodes thing, isn't it? General Egregious. I think, well... Yeah. It's just you with six arms, all of them pressing a Rhodes sting. I, see, now I was preferring him like doing his little crab walk thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, fair enough. I, I like that actually. I like. I really like that idea. There's another t-shirt in the bag. Boom. Boom, done. We're good at this. We're really good at this. If only we had the audience to sell it to. <laughs> well, if only we had the audience to sell it to and some sort of artist on staff that's, yeah. that's not starving and will cut us a break and do us some favours. Mm. Yeah. Well, one day, one day. One day. When we're big on the internet. Well, this is right. This is right. It's weird to think now, because like, it used to be this big separation of internet famous and famous, and now I don't really think that's a thing, is it? If you're no. famous on the internet, you're just famous. You are right? famous. You are Tessica Brown, the Gorilla Glue Girl. So, Jake, we're here to talk about an album that's not actually that dear to my heart. Um, <laughs> because, well, I don't know how to explain it. Very clearly, but there's been there's been an awful mix-up this week. Mm. Well, we started because I wanted to do the Ian Jury album I had as a child, but that turns out the Ian Jury album I had growing up was a best of. I didn't realise because it's not on listed on any sort of discography. <laughs> so. <laughs> and, and we don't do best ofs on this podcast. No. Well, we no. could do a top 10 best ofs. It's not a bad shout, actually. <laughs> I, I, know, I know a few greatest hits that are pretty damn good. Nonetheless, and obviously the last episode that just came out was our 50th quintuple digits best of episode. Mm. <laughs> well, we can keep it. That's it. We're just the best of podcast now. Yeah, that's it. We only no. deal in greatest hits. Yeah, we can branch out. It doesn't even have to be like musical greatest hits. It can be uh, Atari's greatest hits. Crash, bang, wallop, what a video. <laughs> <laughs> no, my fear is though, if we are to turn into a greatest hits podcast, then we're going to turn out like this bloke. Hey everyone, I'm Rick Beato. Everybody, I'm Rick Beato. Hey everybody, I'm Rick Beato. Hey everybody, I'm Rick Beato. Hi everyone, I'm Rick Beato. Because as we all know, raising livestock isn't sustainable environmentally. So you have to manufacture your beef now. So originally this was your episode. Originally. That you promoted and then somehow we got confused and you prepped an episode on based around the Sonics. And mm. I managed to prep an episode based around this one for the same week. And so we decided to split the difference. Yeah, which I, you know, seemed fair enough. Yeah. And so somewhere along the lines, I went, well, actually, I'm going to change the album because I don't like this album as much as I like the other album. And then you forgot to do that. And then I forgot to do that and still prep this album anyway. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Now, I like this album, but I feel like the second album... Well, we should introduce that we're doing Ian Jury's New Boots and Panties and their second album, Ian Jury and the Blockheads, Do It Yourself, mm. is actually just a much better album. <laughs> you know, but I mean, you know, a lot of bands struggle with their sophomore slump, as they say, but there's something about that second record where these guys really hit their stride big time for me. They kind of take all the good things off New Boots and Panties and dial that up to 11 and leave all the crap. That's fair enough. Yeah. 
I didn't realize how many of their big singles weren't on albums either. Well, then these are the days of singles, right? Mm, yeah, exactly. But the singles just not being on the album was is weird to me. But I think that was how their record label did stuff, wasn't it? They'd kind of push a single, and if it did well, great. If it didn't, then oh well. And then that was it, forgotten about. Exactly, exactly. So let's start going through some context, because this album is actually credited to just Jury. Mm. But it was recorded by him and the band that would eventually become the skeleton crew of the Blockheads. Mm. So initially it was Ian Jury on vocals and Chaz, is it Jankel or Yankel? They were the chief songwriters. Chaz plays the guitar and the keyboards. But the idea was that it was Ian Jury's record and they just had a whole bunch of mates come along and basically session on it. Mm. And it winds me up to no end because if you search for Ian Jury and the Blockheads, New Boots and Panties, it doesn't come up. You have to search Ian Jury, New Boots and Panties. <laughs> but then if you want the other albums, you've got to go to Ian Jury and the Blockheads and it winds me up big time. Anyway, the band that recorded on this record was Ian Jury Vocals, Chaz Jankel, Guitars and Keyboards, Norman Watt Roy, my man on the bass. Oh, my boy. Yeah, and arguably the most alliterative and best comic book name, Charlie Charles on drums. <laughs> With additional help from Davy Payne on saxophones, but no dual saxophones this time. Just the uh, just just the, the solo saxophone. Sax yeah, of course we refer to "Hit Me with Your Rhythm Stick," where he actually he forces two saxophones into his mouth and plays them at the same time. It's quite remarkable. Mm. Not even the like the entire saxophone into his saxophone, mouth. That's yeah, it. It's yeah. incredible to watch. Live. It's 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 a sight. Edward Spate is credited as playing the ballad guitar. So ballad guitar. The that's, ballad that's guitar. Neat. So I assume that's on uh, Sweet Gene Vincent at the I beginning. I would assume so, yeah. yeah. And then Jeff Castle on the Moog synth. You can't see it, but Jake's just had a little fit. <laughs> just slight aneurysm there. It's all right. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay. So one person that's left out, and I, I leave them out because there's not really a connection to this podcast, but there kind of is. John Turnbull is the actual guitarist for the band after this album. And of course, no relation to our very own Jack Turnbull. I thought you were going to say uh, Barney Bubbles, the guy who did the brush lettering. No, but actually that is now the most comic book (laughs) name I've ever heard. (laughs) Barney Bubbles. Barney Bubbles. Born Colin Fulcher. I actually think that's a cooler name. Colin Vulture. Vulture, F-U-L. Oh, okay. Not no, Vulture. No, Vulture. That, that's that's a strong name. Vulture. Vulture. Colin Vulture <laughs> is... Barney Bubbles. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Colin Vulture is Barney Bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so allegedly, the album got its name from a personal mantra of Dury's, who would buy a majority of his wardrobe at charity shops, except for uh, boots and panties. Here we go. Yeah. Whilst we're on the topic, actually, not of boots or panties, but Dury himself. In my research for this, I'm I've been getting increasingly more and more frustrated because. Every single interview that he seemed to do for his entire life focused around him being disabled, which was a fact that I did not know until about 10 years ago. 
Really? So I, I went my whole life, well, I didn't know anything about him. And, you know, this is pre-internet, of course. And it was like, I started to get into him around the time we went to BIM. And I watched the film with Andy Serkis and I was like, hold on, why is he limping? <laughs> I had no idea. But anyway, Ian Jury had polio as a kid and that left him mm. not like severely disabled, but disabled enough. Was it his left arm and leg or his right arm and leg? One of his arms and legs on one side. I suppose he was very visible though, wasn't he? Like back in the day, you didn't have that many visible disabled people, right? I suppose. Especially not doing like, you know, rock and roll. Well, especially... Punk rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. You just had people like Johnny Lydon pretending to be disabled. Well, exactly. You know, a bunch of scrubbers putting on a stutter and that sort of thing. Well, exactly. And and the like hunchback thing that he did. Mm. So... Another thing to say about Jury before I forget is that growing up, he featured a lot in my household, but I misinterpreted his lyrics a lot. Okay. And I think a lot of people have done that and they've just missed the point with the lyrics a lot of the time. A lot of the Mm. time I feel now that he's talking through a character, not actually as him, but he's using the pronouns and so on of like I and me. Hmm. And we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to Billy Ricky Dicky, particularly. Ah, yes. I thought it was just like this big overcompensating kind of braggadocio <laughs> lad. But actually, yeah, talking through a character. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. So time, Jake. Time for a quick cover spotlight. Oh. So the cover was shot outside Axford's Underwear Lingerie Shop in Westminster, just around the corner from Victoria, apparently. Tourist station. Very nice. The kid on the cover is none other than Baxter Jury, which is Ian's son. They can't get their story straight because someone said that he just basically ran into the photo and, and he said, well, it looks too, too kind of posed to be impromptu like that. But anyway, yeah. interesting tidbit for you though. Axfords closed their London store in 1990 to run the business from their factory in Brighton. Hey, Hey-o. disgraceful though. Yeah. How dare they? Are they still going? Uh, I, uh, I don't know. Didn't really dig that deep. My journalism degree didn't cover that much. How, <laughs> how to dig even deeper. Yeah, so I always thought that was kind of cool. They did try and recreate that in the Andy Circus film as well. So whilst writing this album, Durian Jankel allegedly only listened to Taj Mahal. I heard that in an an interview. I think that was on the Desert Island Discs interview. 96, I think. And, oh my God, the lady that runs Desert Island Discs, uh, maybe it's changed since 1996, but she was just talking down to him the whole time. And I was like, I was surprised he (laughs) he was so cordial with it. People really want to be on Desert Island Discs, man. People really want to be on it. I suppose so, Popular show. People just want, they want people to know what they would have. Oh, this is true. It's like a bucket list thing, I guess, yeah. How many are you allowed? Five? Oh, I can't remember. I've listened to a, a handful of episodes. My big thing at the moment is uh, films to be buried with, with Brett Goldstein. Yeah, I remember you saying about basically that. Basically the um, same thing. But films. So obviously the films are Ghostbusters, Jurassic Park. Well, no, here's the thing. Uh, right? So it's themed. So it's like, what film do you cry the most at? What film makes oh, you laugh the most? that's not Desert Island Discs at all. No, well, I know that. That's why it's, it's, it's um, in the same style. Am I allowed to say Schindler's List to both? <laughs> well, I, 
Um, I don't know. <laughs> Ray Fiennes trying to playing a Nazi but trying to be nice. Yeah. I, something like that just makes me laugh. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. What film did you think at the time was amazing and now you watch it, you're like, oh, I don't know about that. Probably Batman Forever. Oh, I was going to say Batman and Robin, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, I don't know, what's, what's basically any film that was aimed at kids that came out when I was a kid. Uh, Space Jam, way. for example. No, Jingle Always held up beautifully. Now, Space Jam. Okay. No. So, Jingle All the Way, very quickly, is not held in high regard at the moment because it's all like materialistic and it's father just trying to buy his son's love. And I say, no. I say, no. It's showing about the struggle of trying to get the popular Christmas present. Yeah. It's a father trying to balance family and professional commitments, you know. And Sinbad is there. And Sinbad's there, exactly. (laughs) And uh, Phil Hartman is there just, you know, kind of loving up the name. Eating the cookies. Eating the cookies. Put them down. And you told you you could eat my cookies. (laughs) It's a great film. Anyone who says otherwise is a wrong'un. Exactly. So if you think Jingle All The Way is a problematic film, then you're a wrong'un. You need to reassess your life. Yeah, there we go. Boom, baby. Smack down. Mm. In the words of Goldberg, who's next? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay, so as I said before, Ian Jury was a big deal in my house growing up. My dad, or my old man, if you will, uh, was an English-born but New Zealand-raised Anglophile. So even though he is English, he was raised in New Zealand and he's still an Anglophile. Does that that make sense? A lot of pride for the homeland, basically. Yeah. For the motherland. There there you go. My next note, my very next note, he has a deep affinity for the homeland, (laughs) for the motherland. There we go. Once he discovered the workings of the internet, needless to say... Music was kind of fair game, <clears throat> LimeWire. And LimeWire. Yeah. But My I fellow American. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the first things I remember him downloading or purchasing, well, we should say purchasing, was a collection of Ian Jury songs. Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick, Clever Trevor, Reasons To Be Cheerful Part 3, and the insane <laughs> Off Noddy, um, which I'm not sure if you've heard that last one. No, I don't know if I have actually. It's worth it because it's insane. <laughs> like, you know, he's usually usually got this kind of subtlety to him, does the injury. And uh, yeah, off Noddy is uh, not very subtle. Anyway, Jury's voice really caught my ear early on as my young, naive Kiwi self thought that Jury's accent, kind of that London Essex accent, was rather similar to that of my own granddad. So... Every time I heard him say, you know, in the deserts of the Sudan, it was just sounded like my granddad and I can't, I can't stop. I just cannot get that image out of my head of my granddad singing that song. But was your granddad from Middlesex? Well, he's from London and I want to say it's Edmonton. Fair enough. I might be wrong. My dad's probably swearing at me right now. That's something that annoyed me about Ian Jury. He'd always claim he's from Essex. Like, you're not from Essex. Yeah. You're from Harrow. That's not in Essex. <laughs> yeah. Now, anyway, obviously I'd known of Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick, but I'd always thought that that was like a novelty song, kind of like Monster Mash, you know, that sort of thing. Oh, right. Okay. No. <laughs> I had no context for it, of course. And so I was really surprised, like I say, when my dad downloaded these songs and he's like, oh, this is the guy that does Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick. And I'm like, oh my God, he's got more. 
<laughs> but you know, like in a good way, it was like, it was one of those kind of my world expanded moments. To my shame though, I missed a BIM masterclass with the Blockheads in 2012 and I've regretted it ever since. I tell you who was there though, that stupid sexy Flanders himself, Jack Turnbull. Oh, of course he was. Can't believe it, yeah. It was around 2013-14 that I really started to get into jury. In fact, walking home after the first date with the woman that would eventually become my wife, I pulled a fool like Spider-Man 3, Peter Parker, and the soundtrack was in between his off the second record. I just walked home almost dancing in the street. It was unbelievable. So, last couple of bits. In his obituary in The Guardian, because obviously Ian Jury has died. Sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> I think he died in like 2000. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, he, was, he wasn't like very old. He was like 50-something. Yeah. He was described as looking like some spivvy Cockney update of a Dickensian villain. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like... Oh, The way beautiful. that he walked across the stage and all of this, it kind of works. And I think he would like that personally. Yeah. Well, the last, last thing to say is, like I was saying, a lot of his lyrics get grossly misunderstood. And part of this led to major labels not being interested in the band and the keepers of decency, the keepers of all things decent, the BBC, banning Not most BBC. of the singles. Not BBC. We still haven't done any Brian Butterfield <laughs> clips at all. But anyway. Disappointing, actually. Yeah, it is a bit. Let's get on it. Uh, shall we take a little listen? Let's... Number one is Number one. Wake Up and Make Love to Me. Mm, uh, what a sleazy song, eh? Very sleazy. <laughs> but so filthy. It's so filthy, <laughs> yet it's so undeniably groovy. That's the problem with it. Oh, yeah. It's got, got groove for days. Yeah. The bass, 
Oh. Ah, it's Norman Watroy. I don't have to say the bass is good. You know the bass is good. One of my notes is literally Norman Watroy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like that little perfectly timed bass slide that he does. Oh, man. <laughs> it's so good. It is so good. <laughs> this should have been a monster single, but instead it was banned by the BBC. The BBC, those big bastard choo choos. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. It opens up though with a wicked kind of pentatonic scale sounding very oriental. Mm. And then we get that groove, that with the D. I do kind of like how it's kind of when it comes back up again at the end. It's kind of a bit cheesy and tacky, yeah, but really cool. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. It's undeniable, man. But the thing for me, right, is the bass and the drums are only half of it. It's actually the piano playing that really makes it groove. Mm. With all of these, just these little syncopated stabs in the background. I'm going to listen to that again because it's brilliant. It's so busy, but so clean and clear. Mm. Oh, man, I love it. And... Not too forward as well. It's just sort of there. Yeah, they're not pushing it. Yeah, exactly. So once again, he talks like my granddad. Wake up and make love with me. Worrying. Okay. (laughs) I meant accent-wise. Okay, not not vocabulary-wise. But I do, I do just love that little. Oh. Wake up. That's way too good. The lyrics obviously are full of braggadocio. I come awake with the gift for womankind. And how good is that little sine wave in the background? I just called it a sleazy synth. <laughs> it's a sleazy sleaziest synth. That synth. must be our, our Moog player though, right? I would assume so, yeah. yeah. That sounds like a Moog to me. Yeah. yeah. Guitar and piano are on full display in this song, showing that the blockheads are just probably one of the greatest backing bands. And I've got keys here as well. (laughs) Way too good. (laughs) And in fact, I've got an impromptu sting here that I prepped for the Sonic, Sonic episode today. Yes! That's awesome. There we go. (laughs) And then the ending to the song sees the band come crashing down with some post-coital kisses supplied by Jury. Did you have any notes before we hear those kisses? No, bass, grooving, synth, sleazing, lyrics, lyricskin. Yeah. All right. Let's, Let's hear some kisses, some smooches. That ending does feel a little bit like they're in the studio kind of all looking at us now. Now, yeah. End it now, yeah, okay. But they do it magnificently, don't they? 
Oh, yeah. That piano yeah. glissando. And, oh, yeah. It's an awesome, awesome opening track. It gets you right in the mood. For sure. Is it the best opening to, a, to an album ever? No, obviously. No, but it, Black it's... Chuck, but... <laughs> I did see that you've added that to the list. I was like, ooh. I probably went to see them. Oh, really? Yeah, I think at the Dome. Oh, wow. Uh, disappointing. Only three costume changes, apparently, from uh, old Justin. But, um, apparently, yeah, new stuff is really good. Uh, I'll be the judge of that. Well, you won't be because we're covering their first album. Yeah. It's about as old as it gets. Spoilers for episode 80 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like two years' time. Uh, the next song then is Sweet Jean Vincent. So if you had just got into that lovely, funky disco groove, it's all gone now. <laughs> <laughs> this is a tribute to one of Dury's heroes, Gene Vincent, who was a rockabilly singer. He mm. was really a, a product of Elvis. I'm a bit sad to say, but come at me. Because basically he was just Elvis 2.0 sort of thing, like he was the carbon copy. But let's hear a little bit of Gene Vincent. Well, let an evil lie, so you say, but I'll have to run the devil on the jet my face. I say, I'm a little fire, I'm a moon man. I'm a little fire, I'm a moon man. I'm a little fire, I'm a moon down the line. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the devil. I would say if Roy Orbison is a poor man's Elvis, he's a poor man's Roy Orbison. Yeah, he's like hobo Roy Orbison. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like a really poor Elvis. Yeah. But funnily enough, actually, that was our third week of BIM. That was our performance track. Oh, really? Race with the Devil by Gene Vincent. Someone, I think, had been listening to a lot of Ian Jury. That's all all I can say. Or or Gene Vincent. No one listens to Gene Vincent, Jake. (laughs) Yeah. So look, you know that I like the slow songs. Mm. And this one starts as slow as it goes. Shaky rock and roll tremolo, crooning vocals. It is it is excellent. It's not as groovy or as nice as Wake Up, but it's got its own charm. That must be the ballad guitar. were slender, the beauties were brief. It's a great contradiction to the previous song. Mm. If Ian Jury wasn't the one singing it, I could see it, David Lynch using it in something. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's the kind of music that he would definitely put in like an episode of Twin Peaks just because he could, because he, he got the rights for it Yeah, sometime in the 1980s and just been holding on to it. <laughs> yeah, no one else can have it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, I really like Jury's vocal on that part because he's he's not pushing it. You mm. know, it sounds so good. And, you know, heartfelt because it was. Yeah. They spent time to lay down this absolutely, like you say, heartfelt, I put loving tribute, soft mm. and tender. So nice. Surprise, mother... <laughs> who, who, who's that John? And then we go into full-on rock and roll. It's a bit status quo, isn't it? So <laughs> Yeah, a little like bit. full quo. Rocking around the world. Well, it's every status quo song. Yeah. Exactly. Every single one. 
Yeah, look, the the tempo and vibe shift is not for me all. I appreciate its place and I appreciate, you know, the fact that they're going for like rock and roll. Gene Vincent was a rock and roller and so on. But mm. I don't know. I really like the ballad, to be honest. I'm a sucker for a slow song, though. You know that. Yeah, well, yeah. it's fair. You know, it's maybe a little bit too early in the album for a, yeah. for a slow one. I'll definitely go with you on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure on it, mm. but... It's a thing. It's a choice. It has been a thing since the 70s. So uh, it's older than we are. So therefore, it knows better. And we're wrong. And they're right. They're allowed to have parties. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) This is not a political podcast. So the chorus features some great vocal stylings from Jury. I love how the lyrics are just a description of Gene Vincent. I know, I know, but I like the way that he sings it, though. That's the thing, right? Yeah. There's some slick guitar playing. Tell me status quo have not used that exact same guitar solo. <laughs> exact tone and, like, technique and everything. Yeah, fair enough. Same same backing as well. Oh, yeah, like Same exactly. rhythm guitar, same yeah. bass line, same piano. <laughs> same ponytail yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the one thing that haunts me about status quo is the, the one bloke that plays the guitar and he's like got a massive receding hairline but he still kept the ponytail oh, it's, it's his signature look of course <laughs> <laughs> bald on top party at the back <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like the middle aged mullet <laughs> Uh, but anyway, the ending is appropriate for the style. They do basically the status quo ending, really. Yeah. So, did you have anything to add to that one? It's a status quo written in really, really big font. Okay, well, I'm going to hate to break this to you, right? I forgot. Damn it, Jake, I forgot to mention. Damn it. This song has been covered by none other than everybody's favourite hard band. Not status quo. Not status quo, no. Better than status quo, although I'm actually probably not better than better status quo. Better than status quo. Yeah. Oh, my Lord, right. Um, who's better than status quo? Everybody's um, favourite hard band. Travis? <laughs> do you mean the Scottish band, Travis? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll see if you can tell by the vocals. Sweet oh, Robbie Williams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had no idea that Robbie Williams covered this. With the floor show, kicking with your torso, boys getting high and the girls even more so. Wave your hands if you're not with a man, can I kick it? Yes, she can. I told you, I told you, I've had like more prep time than Batman on this one. <laughs> yeah, I think I was sat in the middle of a quick fit garage getting my MOT done when I was programming that. Thinking, oh, Jake's going to love it. Yeah. Uh, so oh. there, was a, there was a tribute album that was released for this record after the death of Jury. And I've mentioned two of the songs because the rest of them are kind of not too hot. Right. So. The next song is I'm Partial to Your Abracadabra. 
It's a song, Jake, about magic tricks. Illusion, <laughs> Michael. Mm. Trick is something a whore does for money. <laughs> Sorry, it's a song about magic illusions. No one ever understands the reference when I say a trick is something a whore does for money. Oh, I uh, always <laughs> understand it. You know I do. Um, the main groove serves as the intro. It's all right. Yeah, it's all right. It, it does its thing. I initially thought that um, I'm partial to Abracadabra was just another innuendo. Not oh, sure it okay. is, but that, that's just what initially came into my head. Yeah, like I'm, I'm partial to your magic, I guess. There's a cool guitar vamp that happens as well. This is worse. Could I, I like that tone. Between the neck and the middle pickup. Out of phase, that's what you call it, no? Mm, yeah, yeah. That's, that is what you call it. And there's an amazing guitar line in the solo as well. Just, I love the way that that guitar comes in. He's firing, man. So look, it's it's an all right song. It's not my favorite song. I haven't got many notes. I've just said innuendo. Looking at the lyrics, I'm pretty sure it is just a massive innuendo. Probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the guitar solo, yeah, sounds great. It got all this quo out of his system by this point yeah. and was back to doing like something tasteful. He's good. magically like grown here on the top of his head again. <laughs> He's cut off the ponytail and he's just put it at the front. <laughs> he's just, he's just put the hair on top. Or he's yeah, combed it over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yuck. All right, well, let's send that one out then. Crikey, that was, a, that was a quick one. That was a quick one. Well, it's sort of just a song that's on the album, isn't it? It's not yeah. really a... Uh... Yeah. Okay, well, the next song then is My Old Man. And mm. finally, after two songs, we're back to this wonderful bass-led groove, which is just brilliant. Now, <laughs> I enjoy a bass slide. That's too much sliding. I'm just going to put that out there. The kind of bass where it just slides all over the place. It's it's out there. No, I like Doesn't it. Doesn't do it for I me. I like it. It's legato AF, as the musicians say. I think it's sleazy. I think it's really lethargic. And it's it's quite a skill to to play something like that and not rush it. Yeah, but Norman Watroy is the is probably the best bass player that England has ever produced. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, I'd say so. He's the guy from Level 42. He can play a bit of slap. <laughs> <laughs> Any idiot with a thumb can play a bit of slap, though, can't they? Thumb and some Gorilla Glue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, come on. It's, it's just so, like... Three-piece whistles. He was never home for long. What I do is when it goes up to the high note, because it always reminds me of a cow because of like the cow and chicken <laughs> bass. Uh, yeah. Like yeah, in Cow and Chicken, enough. where it does a similar sort of thing. Oh, well, uh, in the theme song? Yeah. <laughs> so, no, 
No, I'm I'm going to go with you. I'd say Norman Watroy has got to be in the top five English bassists, British bassists. Obviously, Sid Vicious. Uh, <laughs> well, obviously. Duh. Yeah, it yeah, goes without duh. saying, doesn't it? You know, he's so good that he didn't need to play. <laughs> uh, the bass player from the Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> Touche, touche. <laughs> wow. I mean, I was being a bit more serial with mine, and you've got to have Sting in there, in there somewhere. Do you have to have Sting in there? Oh, Sting's a phenomenal bass player, man. He doesn't get enough credit. He's arguably the most overrated, underrated player. <laughs> you know, he's so overrated for all the nonsense and so underrated for what he's actually really good at. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. But anyway, we're not talking about Sting because people talk about him enough. That verse is so lethargic. I will kill him! Um, <laughs> but the refrain <laughs> is even worse. My old man wore three-piece whistles. He was never home for long. So lethargic, I like it. The hmm. drumming on this track, speaking of Sting actually, really reminds me of Stuart Copeland. Oh, really? Because it's, it's just actually, that, I those, hear that. Yeah. those kind of little buzz rolls and stuff that are happening. Mm. The guitar solo is jazzy. Contemporary. I wasn't expecting that one. No, that was like a pray and spray. (laughs) 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 Open the folder and click. It's a little bit of a shame that Norman Watroy takes up most of the room in that solo, but that's kind of the magic of it. There is a nice sax solo as well. My old man. A lot of reverb too. And uh, that really is all I have to say about that. Ah, that's a nice tribute to his old man. Hmm. I, I did some double checking, and basically, it's just him telling the story of his life. Yeah, it's like oh, fair, fair play. And you know, rumor has it that his old man actually died round the corner in a bedsit from where they took the photo on the cover. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The old fake out, fade out. And I'll, I'll give you one guess. This is the other song that I've prepared with the cover. What British artists from the 70s, kind of 80s, London artists might have covered this? Are they from London? Oh, no, they're not. They're from Guildford. Uh, well, oh, I'm going to say the Stranglers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I was thinking Guildford. I was actually, I was waiting for you to say. Guildford, I, I just had a sneaky feeling you were going to pick the Stranglers. Uh, but no, it's not the Stranglers. It was... Oh, really? Later on, he drove a roller, chauffeuring for foreign men. Dropped his eighties on occasion, circle now and then. So when they did their album, when Robbie Williams played Sweet Jean Vincent, he actually mm. had the members of the Blockheads backing him up. 
Oh, nice. Madness refused, and they're like, no, we'll do all the music, thank you. Yeah. So, there we go. I kind of quite like that bass line, the way that they've done it, without all the sliding around. (laughs) Just get out. Just just go. Just yeah. Uh, same time next week, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> You're just going to revert back to uh, Digital Jake. How dare you? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Look, Jake, can I tell you a joke? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you, Jake. Yes. Um, okay, so the next song then is Billericky Dicky. Dicky, I believe, is like a slang term for an Essex lad. So Jury has stated that he saw Dicky as a pathetic figure. And the main comment on Genius quite hilariously seems to misunderstand the point of the song because they say this lyric does nothing to enhance his legacy, thinking that (laughs) Dury's just talking about himself, which again is what I was talking about. So this is a tribute to the Essex lad and a tale of his sexual conquests. The music is really cool. It kind of references that English heritage through the umpire and music hall style mm. even without the style the actual sound of the instruments like the the keys on this one yeah i just really love yeah it's yeah. kind of that cheap not quite a casio no cheap yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. it sounds you know we love a cheap sounding synth we do speaking of which actually on the marketplace the other day they had a dg20 yeah i saw they wanted too much money for it though yeah, it was like 250 or something yeah no yeah. it's like my brother-in-law had a Casio DG20. Wow. And he's just like, it's just awful. <laughs> I just got rid of it. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Well, Billy Ricky Dicky has got the most wonderful wordplay. It's a love affair with Nina In the back of my Cortina A seasoned up hyena Could not have been more obscene She took me to the cleaners And other misdemeanors But I got right up between her that wonderful wordplay has been absolutely milked by this particular corporation that were advertising a like kind of sillet bang in Australia and New Zealand sort of thing. Got a call from Sue's our daughter. Something had destroyed her. The waiting place in town had just burned to the ground. To be fair though, is it just one of those generic vocal melodies? Don't don't do this to me, Jake. Don't do this to me. I'm on my pedestal here. Is it like, um, well, it wasn't a melody, but I, someone tried to sue Taylor Swift for saying something like, hate is going to hate. And the judge basically originally threw the case out because like, the lyric is so banal. Yeah. Uh, that, that literally in the 90s and early 2000s, everyone was making lyrics like that. It's like saying yeah. swimmer's going to swim, yeah, you yeah. know, runner's going to run. It's like, that's, you can't copyright that. <laughs> and I didn't realize EHX or the guy who builds all of the cool pedals and stuff. Yeah. They have a copyright on the word muff in the pedal world. So if you've got a, a big muff style clone, you I, cannot call it. So glad that you said in the pedal world. <laughs> yeah. So JHS had the muff letter. Yeah. They had to change it. <laughs> they wouldn't let him use the word muff. Really? Yep. Oh, there's uh, Mike someone, isn't it? They, he turned 80 yeah. yesterday. 80? Yeah. Man, that's, that's old. Well, EHX has been around for a long, old time. Well, they went bust, didn't they? And then they came back. Oh, did they? I didn't know that. Pretty sure they went bust and then they got brought out by someone else. Oh. That's why he went to Sovtech 
and started doing like all the Russian muffs and things like that. Uh, I know that all starts to click into place, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, yes. I just wanted a chance, obviously, to say the Bill Hicks, you know. If anyone here is in advertising or marketing, kill yourself. <laughs> this is not a political podcast. Ajax Spray and Wipe was my first introduction to this song. I had no idea about Billy Ricky Dicky, <laughs> but I grew up on Ajax Spray and Wipe. That was the thing. So when I first heard the song, it was like I was humming the words to Ajax Spray and Wipe and I hate myself for it. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah, what were you going to say? What was I going to say? Oh, probably someone else trying to do some sort of stupid copywriting, but I can't remember what it oh, was. Okay. All right, well then, let's have a look at the intro. It's a big voiceover. Good evening. I'm from Essex, in case you couldn't tell. My given name is Dickie. I come from Billericay, and I'm doing very well. The chorus seems to be a bit of a tip of the cap to Paul Simon, don't you think? You just slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, stand. You don't need to be coy, Roy. Just get yourself free. Good shout. Yeah, but of course... We all know the best tip of the cap to the Paul Simon song. And speaking of DG20s. Loretta broke my heart in a letter. She told me she was leaving and her life would be better. Anyway, we went to see them and I missed that song because I was so tired. I left before the encore. They came on over an hour late for us, so we had to leave only like four songs in because we had a train to catch. Ah, oh, that's right, yeah. Bastards. Yeah, not cool, man. Not cool. Stop throwing them downstairs. Well, you know. So the chorus has a real welcome uh, harmonic change, though. Well, you and if candy floss is sticky, I'm not a blinking thicky, I'm Billericky Dicky, and I'm doing very well. Did that get quieter halfway through? I don't think was so. That just, ah, but they, okay. it's funny that you mentioned that because the fade out on the song is dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> the fade yeah, out on is. the song, like, just kind of slowly happens for about a minute. So, anyway, there's a great piece of advice in the bridge for us. You should never. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. Thanks, Ian. And there's some great whistling MBVs in that final verse. So you ask Joyce and Vicky, a pair of I wish I could whistle like that. <laughs> it's like the perfect amount of vibrato and everything on it. Like, it's so musical. Anyway, notes from you, good sir. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the fade out because that was one yeah. of my that was one of my notes. It's just like that fade out. It's like awful. Mm. Not a lot more to say, really. It's, I didn't know what you said about him seeing him as a pathetic character, but I kind of had that impression in my mind that he wasn't seeing this as being like a oh man, this is a cool guy. It's more of a that's not cool, man. Uh, vibe yeah. to it. At least that's what I picked up on. I I definitely misinterpreted it early on, and I was thinking. You know, like, this is him just basically bragging, but not necessarily mm. like he's he's actually slept with all these ladies, but it's very much like 
telling these kind of, again, braggadocio conquest stories. It's like Billericke Dickie, isn't he? talking about like drugging one of the women effectively. Yes. <laughs> so it's really like fucking, yeah. man, what a creep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's another one where it's like, um, her father helped me plan it or something. Mm. Yeah. It's like, man, that's yeah. fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> so let's leave that one there then. I like the way that it drops up at the end. So the, every other one goes, and that one at the end goes, duh, 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 duh. it's nice. I like how he uh, senses himself. <laughs> yeah. Ian Jury famously never swore. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, again, unless you've heard off Noddy. Yeah. Anyway, so this is the break in the record. This is when you flip over that wonderful piece of vinyl. Oh, was it on um, After Billericke Dicky? Yeah. Ah. And as you do, it's time for a game show. Okay, Jake, this game is called Ian I Am. Mm. I will read out quotes from not only Ian Jury, but also other recognisable Ians. And you will have to guess which Ian the quote belongs to, so you'll get two options. Ian Jury or another Ian. Ian. So, as an example, something like, Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian. Demon, you shall not pass! Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian. (laughs) That would be Ian McKellen. Yeah. Right. So... If you are incorrect, you will hear this. <laughs> Didn't know he had that lined up. No. Brilliant. Uh, I did initially try and line up the other one where he's like, if you don't study for your exams, do you know what will happen? <laughs> and if you are correct, you will hear this. Significantly shorter. Oh, okay. nice. Oh, we better, better find out who we're playing for today. Oh, yes. So if you would like Jake or I to play for you in one of our famous game shows where you can win a sound purchase merchandise prize pack, then you better start chatting to us on the Instagram or on actually you can on Spotify. You can now answer questions from that we post on Spotify as you're listening. It's fantastic. Usually we're going to ask you, what's your favorite track? So tell us, tell us, come on. We're interested. We want to know. It's true. But anyway, I've got people on my on my wheel. Can you see that massive wheel behind me? Yes. I probably didn't need to get one quite that big. I mean, I wasn't going to say it's a bit excessive, but it's all about spectacle on a podcast, isn't it? It is. It's all about it the visual spectacle. Exactly. And I feel like... That's why we dress up every week as members of the band. Exactly. But I feel like if I move house now, you know, I can't can't take the wheel with me because one, I don't know how I got it into the house, but two, it's now part of like the structural integrity of the Well, more or less, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's now a selling point of the house. You thought wheel. Wheel of Fortune wheel was big. Oh, that's tiny in comparison. Yeah. You know. Okay. Well, let, I'm going to just reach back over here and give it a good old, give it a good old uh, spin.
it has landed on our friend from Aotearoa Records, which is a wonderful Instagram page if you like New Zealand music like I do. Aotearoa Records, they were talking to us not so long ago about the Supergroove pressing. So Aotearoa Records, here we go. Jake needs to get, are we saying five or more? Well, if it's ten, then let's go for six. Go for six. Yeah, it's the GCSE pass mark. Okay, here we go. Are you ready, Jake? Always. Okay. Quote number one. I'm really terrible with small children. They're small, (laughs) noisy, irritating, damp, and soggy. Is it Ian Jury or Ian Anderson? Mr. Flutie Man. Oh, that's tough. (laughs) That could literally... There's literally nothing to give it away there. Um, Right. Straight up guess. Anderson. Nice. Nice. Number two then. I didn't join a band. I didn't start a band. I got asked to do it. It kind of happened by accident. Was that Ian Jury or Ian Asbury? Well, based on what you said, where they just kind of got the band in after this album, I'm going to say it was Ian Jury. Ah. Ian Asbury of The Cult. Number three. There are a couple of ways to avoid death. One is to be magnificent. Is that Ian Jury or Ian Gillian from Deep Purple? One is to be magnificent. Yeah. Hmm. Once again, because I have no idea. I feel like you tried to trip me up by having three in a row that aren't Ian Jury, so I'm going to say it's the other one. <laughs> ah. Number four. This is hard, man. This yeah. is really hard. I know. I, I thought it would be a lot easier than it was. Do you remember the Sonic one where you basically got 10 out of 10? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Number four. I used to work in a factory. And I was really happy because I could daydream all day. Is that Ian Jury or Ian Curtis from Joy Division? Did Ian Curtis ever work in a factory? Would Ian Jury have been able to work in a factory? I suppose it's like not doing anything super manual. Um, Ian Curtis. Nice. Number five. I shall not waste my days in trying to prolong them. Is that Ian Jury or Ian Fleming, 007 author? Mm. Who do I want to say it is? I want to say it's Ian Jury. Number six. Got to get them all right from here on. Yeah. Bite, your, <laughs> bite your teeth into the ass of life. Ian Jury... <laughs> Or Ian Holm, who was uh, Bilbo Bilbo Baggins. Yeah, I know who Ian Holm is. Uh. (laughs) He was in Aliens as well, right? He was in Alien, the first one. Alien, yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's a good quote. (laughs) Whoever said it, it's a very good quote. Say it again for me. But say it as each of them. Do an impression of both of them. Bite your teeth into the ass of life. That's not a very good injury. No, that's right. It helps. Okay. It helps. Ian Holm, ready? Yes. Bite your teeth into the ass of life. 
life. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that one. Because it's what I would have done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, once again, I'm going to say it's Ian Jury. Ian Jury. I'm not here to be remembered. Ian Jury or Ian Brown from the Stone Roses. I don't like Ian Brown, so it's Ian Jury. Even if it's Ian Brown. <laughs> I thought I might get you with that one with the uh, I want to be adored link. Ah. Yeah. Uh, okay, number eight. Splendid architecture. The love of your life. An old friend. They can all go drifting by unseen if you're not careful. Is that Ian Jury or Sir Ian McKellen? I'd have preferred it if you just left it at Splendid Architecture. <laughs> just left that as the quote. Craig <laughs> Stevens says lovely stuff. Not my words. <laughs> Let's say McKellen. Always claw in a bank. You're dead even at the moment. Four or four each. Oh. So you can still, you could still get it. You've got to get the next two right. Okay. I actually know all of them so far. I'm just creating artificial tension. Right. Okay. Yeah. Number nine. <laughs> all I want for my birthday is another birthday. <laughs> is that Ian Jury or legendary Australian cricketer Ian Chappell? All I want for my birthday is another birthday. Yeah. I don't know. Ian Jury. All right. Do or die time. Do or time. I do or die time, not do or time. Okay. Do or time. Do or time. <laughs> Ten. I've missed out on a huge goal, but the desire is still there. Ian Jury, or again, legendary Australian swimmer Ian Thorpe, aka the Thorpedo. <laughs> the Thorpedo. It sounds like an inspirational quote, so... And the Thorpedo, I mean, what a name. Let's go with him. And by him, I mean Jury. Okay, okay, come again. So you've confused me now. Exactly. So okay. was I correct or wrong? Uh, <laughs> um... Uh, <laughs> who, who did you go for? Uh, the one that I said, Ian. I'm going to have to hold you in contempt of court in a minute. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, what was what's the answer? You tell me. <laughs> I have told you. Yeah? I missed yeah, it. Yeah. Can you repeat it? <laughs> yeah, it was um, it's one of those two, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Either the full pedo or jury. <laughs> it was. Um, can you say the quote again? <laughs> <laughs> I've missed out on a huge goal, but the desire is still there. Ian Jury or Ian Thorpe? I mean, it sounds like something a sporty person would say, doesn't it? Which is why I initially went for pedo. And then I thought, oh, you could be being tricksy. So that's why I threw in the clever little, uh, actually, I'm going to say jury. So in actuality, I'm going to say jury. <laughs> ah. Altero Records, I'm very, very sorry to inform you that Jake has bailed you. Now, I believe I was promised half of what it would have cost us to send them that stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
But never fear, never fear. Your name will go back on the wheel. It will stay on the wheel and we can spin for you again at another point. So let's carry on then. Track number six. Now this is a bit of a trick trick track because I told you I wasn't going to do this one and then you gave me enough time to actually get it done. (laughs) So track number six was actually originally a single that once again was left off of the record and banned by the BBC so that the band decided to sneak it on there as like an untitled track. As in, they didn't mark it into the liner notes, they just put it onto the record. And this, of course, is the now very famous Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll. I got that info from Rick Beato Light. Hi, everyone. I'm Rick Beato. Is one of the I think someone should tell that, him it's Beato. Yeah, exactly. It was <laughs> one of the, I think, produced like a pro. They've, they do songs that change the world. Anyway, so it began as a comment on everybody just talking or thinking about sex and drugs and rock and roll. And according to his interview on Desert Island Discs, Jerry wanted it to be more like, once we've finished talking about all of that, why don't we go to the National Gallery or do something else? Like, there's more to life than sex and drugs and rock and roll. However, as we keep coming back to, a lot of people didn't get it effectively and took his character at face value once again. And thought that he was saying, quite literally, sex and drugs and rock and roll is all my brain and body need. So anyway, anyway. According to the Desert Island Discs, once again, Jerry and Jankel lifted the bass line from an Ornette Coleman's rambling. Ah. And that was the bass solo from Rambling played by Charlie Hayden. Jerry did meet Hayden and apologised for lifting the riff, to which Hayden replied it was a tune that he himself had lifted from an old Cajun tune, so didn't really care. (laughs) No harm, no foul. Yeah. So the verse melody relies heavily on that riff. That's the riff. Sex and drugs and rock and roll Is all my brain and body need The chorus takes it into like a real jazzy turnaround Silly ways Or throw them out the window The wisdom of your ways I've been there and I The bridge has some skanking guitars And a really cool panned like drum fill Starts in your left ear mm. and works its way right round to the right And then we get one of the finest moments of music on this entire album. This just easy, breezy, jazzy piano solo with some, I've said it's tasteful flanger, but flanger can't be tasteful on the guitar. It's true. Like the wah-wah. You can't have tasteful wah-wah. Oh, I beg to differ. Well, you can do like the cocked wah thing, but then this, the, the general wicker chicka. Oh, yeah. Well, wicker chickas are always going to be wicker chickas, aren't they? 
Yeah, but yeah. that's like 99% of wah. But if you do it really, really slow and you get that really, really slow wah-ka-chicka, it sounds really cool. <laughs> it's still a waka-chicka though. Yeah, it's just a slow waka-chicka. I know. <laughs> Have you got notes for that song? I mean, my notes were pretty thin. Yeah, just we constantly quote the um, line about the tailor. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, see my oh. tailor, he's called Simon. I know it's going to fit. Yeah. Just throw that in yeah. out of nowhere in our household. Well, you know. Nice, nice. We'd be saying something. I was like, yeah, but you see my tailor, he's called Simon. I know it's going to fit. That's right. In the same kind of, you have to give it the same kind of energy as um, that quote from the, the original and therefore the best office. He's thrown a kettle over a pub. What have you done? <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. But no, I don't have a massive amount to say. Yeah, just a um, cool jazzy solo. Mm. I completely forgot it was banned by the BBC. But uh, strange enough, yeah, the, the versions of this album that I've had have just basically just tacked this onto the end. Yeah. Which I don't think it's a great end to the album, so I think putting it here is a much better shout. <laughs> it's a pretty good open to a side, actually. I would say it's a great opener for the, for the side, absolutely. Mm. And, you know, it, it kind of works wherever you want to put it. I just don't think it's the best song for ending the album. No, no, I agree with you on that. Okay, well, speaking of ending. One more thing to say. I do love that guitar tone. I do like the guitar. uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. So the next song is Clever Trevor. So I've talked about my own father. I forgot Mm. to talk about my father's cousin who was called... It was just that kind of idea of... um, I don't know. It was just... You know... Fine. We're going to cut that out. (laughs) I don't know what I was trying to say there. Something along the lines of, you know... by I don't know. We... If you want to know what it is we've just cut out, do please subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah. It's in the the $10 bracket. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Where you also get the bonus pod purchased by Jake Brown. But not a sound by Stefan. That's actually, that's for the next tier up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's me. What what was that? Because it's a lot more effort to try and capture that sound again. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. So uh, another another family link. My great uncle's name is... Does he spell it correctly? What, T-R-E-V-A? <laughs> well, because he's spelt, obviously it's Clevor Trev, Trevair, as opposed to Clever Trevor. Oh, okay, I, I didn't even pick up on that. I think that's my dyslexia showing, shining through. Part of the shtick is that he doesn't spell his name right. <laughs> You're right, okay. No, fair enough. So my great uncle made his name in gay clubs and massage parlours. Um, <laughs> and... Throughout my entire like childhood and so on, I just knew him by name only. I've only met him like twice, three times maybe. And he was the infamous Uncle Trevor. So Uncle T Rev. Exactly. T Rev. <laughs> kind of like T Liv, but without the mustache. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, like, I don't know, again, it's just that applying a name to the song and it had that family link. So yeah. Anyway, the intro features a a great groove. Oh, 
Oh, they've got the the best use of flanger there. Yeah. Just a... <laughs> That's the only good use of flanger. <laughs> you know what that sounded like, though? Did you see the ghost? It ran through here. It, it slimed me. Have I spoken to you since I saw Ghostbusters? No. Oh, I saw the new Ghostbusters. And? It's basically Ghostbusters 1. It's pretty good. Yeah? A lot of people don't seem to like it, but I, I think it's fine. Paul Rudd? You know. Paul Rudd's fine. Yeah. The child, child actors aren't too bad. You know, they've got Discount Slimer, Gozers back. I haven't seen Ghostbusters since I was a kid. I have no idea what happens in Ghostbusters. Everyone has a good time. It's one of those things I like. I need to rewatch. I've been meaning to rewatch Spinal Tap recently as well. I remember we were talking about that before. Yeah, yeah. I can't find it on streaming. I'll, I'll lend you the DVD, like if we ever actually meet up in person. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I don't. I just don't like you enough. No, that's fair. Yeah, that is fair. You know, I do have the only copy of Spinal Tap left in the world. The so, only um, copy. It's been a long, arduous mission to destroy all <laughs> other copies of Spinal Tap. But you're like Thanos, like you've, you're in your like work clothes, cooking yeah. your breakfast. Yeah, that, that was my snap. It's just uh, yeah. all copies of Spinal Tap bar one. Much Fair less enough. strenuous on the body. Yeah, uh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might have one varicose vein and that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so the verse has a great pause at the end of each phrase. Just cause I ain't never read no nothing worth having never ever never ever I really like that. There is a tidy refrain though that breaks up these verses, breaks up all of that tension. It's really, really neat. However just really like that. Really simple but decent. Mm. The chorus is a nice break from the intensity of the groove. Knock me down Love the with a feather, clever Trevor. Nice. It's that guitar line with that bass. Just, yeah. Oh, oh, that's what I've written down. Just, just gesticulate. War. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the bridge has a great rap and it makes me feel breathless. Why should I forbid about something kind and such stupidness is mad cause nothing underfoot comes and nothing less to add to a load of old... And the guitar solo has some really interesting like hard panning for half of it in one ear and half of it in the other ear. And that's all I have to say about that one. Sorry, I was dancing. He's in a perpetual dance loop. <laughs> um, no, I mean, as I said, I love that chorus. Yeah. It is one of my favourite things on this album, I think. Wow, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I just don't know why, but I just hear it and go, yes! <laughs> yes! It's not even like that flash. It's... I know. I think that's kind of part of the joy of it. It's just so simple. Yeah. But it just sounds great. But yeah, other than that, it's uh, a yeah, yeah, good song. Boom, baby. So the next song is If I Was With A Woman. Groovy as fuck once again. 
Yeah. It's uh, really groovy. The intro features just another groove, and it's just Norman Watt Roy, our boy. Hey. I used to despise the melody, but I am kind of warming to it because the the melody just seemed a bit lazy where it's copying the riff again, kind of like Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll. Mm. But I have had this album on solid repeat for about three weeks now, so <laughs> I'm quite used to it now and I'm I'm enjoying it. So that's one of those uh, acquired tastes. Well, yeah, I, I'll put it like this way. Every time I've listened to this album prior to within these three weeks, this has been my least favorite song. Really? Because of the vocals. So the chorus, though, I've always liked the chorus. Wide open with those major seventh chords. Look at them laughing. Look at them laughing. And I really get that stuck in my head. The look at mm. them laughing. Oh. I like the um, bass not going to the note you'd necessarily expect it to that. Do, 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 do. Look at them laughing. Oh, yeah. Interesting. The solo is probably the best on the record. I was really hoping you'd doctored some Steve Vai or something over the top of it. <laughs> Don't you mean Joe Bonamassa? <laughs> or, no, no, what would have been really good, like the November Rain solo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which one? There's like 20. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I like that solo. He's just, it sounds really confident. You know, mm. some of the solos are a little bit kind of timid. This one sounds really confident with what he's doing. Verse three has some really cool piano. I've been with a woman. She took away my spirit. The woman's coming close to me again. It's like he remembered there's a whole other octave up there. Yeah. Well, and it kind of sounds like he's like almost plucking it as well, you know, like mm. actually getting into the piano, getting in, curling up. And then the ending features just disturbing voices, voice effects, frankly. So before we all disturb you our way out of it, you got any notes for that one? No, it's all groovy, baby. Well, boom. Is the Lockheads. One word, two letters. Punk AF. (laughs) Can I guess what your first note is? Status quo back. I know it feels more in line with like what a lot of the contemporaries that were doing punk at the time would have been doing. Yeah, stranglers. Like stranglers or even to agree, not quite as fast paced as, as them, but uh, something like Buzzcocks. Yeah. Kind of, especially with the, the way he's singing it and stuff. Yeah. The verse has some of the best vocals in terms of like vocal delivery. I really mm. like, like his... Uh, Shouty Ian is good Ian. His intent, yeah. really good shame he didn't do more of it really it's really good well but the irony is that I don't like the song yeah the irony <laughs> is that I like soft and tender Ian over the kind of shouty Ian 
I know, I'd say it does feel a bit like they were kind of just kind of going, ah, oh, what's everyone else doing? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, yeah. Because they were a lot more to their own thing, right? They weren't, like, yeah. it was punk, but it wasn't punk, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The attitude was there, but none of the inability to play your instrument. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, well, especially when Norman Watt Roy bent. Well, that's the funny thing, actually. He never picked up a bass before this, and he was just sort of... Uh... <laughs> it was like a, a God-given gift. Yeah. yeah. So we've look, we've talked about farty synths before. Um, <laughs> this is the well fartiest. My note is uh this song doesn't feature a farty synth, but actually just a full on diarrhea synth. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's a farty synth bass. It's a literal synth trying to do a fart. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's like they sampled one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's check it out. Weird. Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> the irony is, especially that the synth solo is, itself is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> if they didn't do that, it would have been pretty awesome. Maybe it was broken. Maybe it's like every time we use this synth, because I don't <laughs> think they use it on anything else. Oh, well, they've got the Moog, I guess, at the um, yeah. Wake Up and Make Love to Me. Yeah. But uh, it's like maybe after that, they broke it. It's like it doesn't matter what you do, it's just constantly making this weird bass note. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it. Yeah, why not? We can't afford another one, so... <laughs> was that this startup sound like Julian Cope? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all my notes for that one. I'm, I'm ready to ready to end out, if you are. Yeah. I've just got Love Shouty Ian, yep. Buzzcocks, Big Farty Simp. Yeah. The mother of all Big Farty Simps. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so the ending... Features Jury falling into like a raging shouting fit. Joined by ACDC on the backing vocals, apparently. Yeah, exactly. The next one is track number nine, Playsto Patricia. The intro features cursing quite a bit of cursing and in the interest of keeping it PG I've remixed it but it gives you a good idea beautifully done you could tell I had a lot of time on my hands (laughs) too much time on your hands Yeah. yeah but I think that kind of does it justice so the verse features some sparse vocals over like a country guitar lick The bricks. And we build up and move into another punk tune very quick. That's what I was mm. going to say before. This is 1977, so we can't actually officially call it punk. Oh, it's, it's post-punk allowed. at that point. Yeah, this, this is officially post-punk because as our good friends and idols said... Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. All punk can only be punk if it's 1976. That is that is true. Yeah. So I need to offer a redaction to all of, all of my notes here that mention this as being punk. Well, anyway, Davey Payne is rocking the sax solo on this song. 
And that's that's about all I have to say for that one. <laughs> I don't think I actually put any notes on this one, but um, no. it's I, a bit messy. it's funny because Shouty Ian on the other one, really good. Yeah. Shouty Ian on this one, less good. Yeah. This is like mm. angry Shouty Ian. Yeah, yeah. Which is just a bit... It's a bit ah, Ian, doesn't suit you, man. Yeah. Let's get rid of this one. Let's, let's just delete it from the album. And the last soul is Blackmail Man, the third of a punk trilogy. I mean, sorry, mm. a post-punk trilogy. And the vocals in the verse and chorus are runs again quite rough. It's almost like the first like what seven songs are what he really wanted to do, and then the last three, the label are like, "Well, we're a punk label, so we need some punk songs, please." Also, you need to make it at least ten tracks to uh, yeah, call it yeah. an album. Yeah, there you go. So we've got another crazy guitar solo. It's not Slash, sorry. So for this one, can you edit in either Nick Jonas or Little Wayne? Thank you. <laughs> you know, I was, I was saving this for I'll save it for the end. Uh, okay, so... Were you going to say Nick Jonas to cover this? No, or no, Little Wayne? no, no. Uh, you got notes for the Blackmail Man? Not really, just, yeah, another punk. I do prefer this one to the previous one. Yep. It's still a bit angry, shouty Ian, but, you know, mm. better shouty Ian. A Blockheads is my favourite out of the punk tracks. Yeah, of the three of the punk tracks. Yeah. Uh, sorry, post-punk tracks. Um, post-punk, sorry. 1977. It's, it's post-1977. That's right. Yeah, it's not post-1976, so yeah. It's, yeah, uh, yeah I'd, I'd agree with you. Blockheads is definitely the best of the three. Yeah. Okay, well, the ending features some drop D guitar. Did he drop his pick halfway through? I think he might have done. Yeah. <laughs> it was I... supposed to be like more after he detuned it and he's like, I've dropped it. And... <laughs> it's like, like the cure where the tape just sputters uh, yeah, out. Just... They just stopped recording because he made a mistake. Yeah. Well, okay. So look, we're here. We're at the end. Well done us. Well done you for being for making it this far. That's actually quite a satisfying ending in a way. I think that's a better ending than Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll. Yeah, I think so. So what I was was going to say is I think it's remarkable how the Blockheads, as they would become to known, can shift their playing around to represent the genre that mm. they're kind of playing in. So they've got like the country songs sound like country. The jazzy, funky songs sound really, really jazzy and funky. And then these punk songs, like their solos are atrocious. But that's kind of the point. I think it comes down to two things. One, they're all shit hot musicians. Yeah. yeah. 
two, they actually enjoy listening to the music that they're trying to make. I think that's a big part of it. Because you can tell when someone's just going, you know, something by the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. oh, this is what you need to make. I tell you, what, I wrote a shoegaze song the other day. I was like, right, what do I need? Right, a uh, big distortion, two delays, a reverb, and some tremolo. Nice. Ah, oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like four chords. Well, so, yeah. And long, whiny vocals. Oh, well, yeah. And I need to find a, a lady to play bass because it's not. As we all know, it is not shoegaze if you've got a man playing the bass. Fair I enough. think that make technically that makes it dream pop. So, Jake, what is your favorite track off New Boots and Panties? I mean, it kind of has to be sex and drugs and rock and roll, doesn't it? That or I think it probably would be that actually. Or maybe Clever Trevor, because I love that chorus in Clever Trevor. It's gotta be Wake Up and Make Love to Me. Ah, it's too sleazy. It doesn't matter. I'm, it makes me feel like I'm dirty way, after I way to too it. busy shaking my booty when that comes on. Who would you like to cover and what song would you like them to cover? Well, I came up with two options for this one because I was in two minds. Now, one number one is, once again, the Buzzcocks to... Well, just sorry, just Buzzcocks, not the Buzzcocks, mm-hmm. to cover Black Mailman. Nice. Or... John Shuttleworth to cover Billericky Dicky. Oh. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with John Shuttleworth. Look up a song called Can't Go Back to Savory Now. Okay. It's a great song. It's about he's enjoying his dinner. His wife's made a lovely dinner. He's down with his daughter. He's eating it. He's eating his tea. His wife brings out the pudding. He starts the pudding. But his daughter hasn't really enjoyed the dinner. So she's left loads of it. And he's enjoyed it so much that he's in, he's conflicted because he can't go back to savoury <laughs> once he started his sweet, but he enjoyed it so much that he kind of wants to. It's a great song. Um, <laughs> and he, that's not his real name. He's a comedian, John Shuttleworth as a character. Right. So I re- recommend checking him out. But um, I would say, in fact, if I had to pick one, I'd say John Shuttleworth to cover Billy Ricky Dicky. Okay. And similarly, any John Shuttleworth album would be my similar album to listen to. Pick any of them. They're all great. All right, all right. Well, I went a little bit more mainstream with my choice. I chose The Streets to cover Clever Trevor. Ooh, shout. My recommendation, based kind of off the time... Is it The Stranglers? No, it's not The Stranglers. That was last week. (laughs) So the band of fantastic musicians and... Is kind of of the same time. I chose Drums and Wires by XTC. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, would New Boots and Panties go into your top 10? No. No, neither. (laughs) (laughs) If we were doing the second record like I initially planned, then it would probably be in my top three. It's just the old, I should have picked Scott Free thing all over again. Exactly. Exactly. Look, this is a fantastic record and it's like the blueprint of an amazing career and an amazing back catalogue. There's a a collection of really nice songs here. Ultimately, it's the last three songs that really lit it down for me because all of that groove is gone. And that's that's what I'm here for. I'm here for the groove. That's fair. That's fair. But um, to answer the next question, I mean, you've you've kind of just answered it yourself. It's it's still a sound purchase. Oh, 100%. Yes. It's a fantastic yeah. album, but it's not strong enough to knock out uh, Gaz Coombs. What have I got at number 10? I can tell you, you have got... Not Gaz Coombs. Sour Soul. Oh, it's definitely not knocking out Sour Soul. <laughs> no. Well, there you go. 
maybe after we've done our hundredth episode and our ninety ninth, which uh, I'm also very oh, excited about. That's going to be a good one. The ninety yeah. and the hundred and first. And well, I don't know the hundred and first as well. But when we get to the hundreds, we can start revisiting some of these artists. That's the rule we've set ourselves. So we might be able to come back and do a proper Ian Jury album. Oh, I've just seen what I've put as a hundred and one. It's a good album. I can't wait for next week, mate. Oh man, yeah, next week's going to be great. I think I it's going to be a. I forgot how much I love that album. Like I wrote it off, thinking that it's just that title track, and that's the best part oh. of the album. But no, man, that's no, the album is killer. The album's so good. Cut all this out because it's going to spoil massive bits for <laughs> next week. Well, we can we can leave all of that in, and then if you subscribe to the Patreon. Then you get it. You're going to get this wonderful, wonderful bit. But if you don't subscribe, then you're going to... And... But... And... You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah. In my thoughts, exactly, to be honest with you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, there we go. So there's, as always, one more question that uh, remains to be answered, Jake. Mm-hmm. Would a coward do this? Oh, we're just, we're just going to leave it there, right? We're not actually going to say bye. Bye. <laughs> okay, I am Stefan, and this was A Sound Purchase, a podcast that does a deep dive to explore iconic recordings. This episode was proudly produced by Robbie Mortimer. You can show your appreciation for this episode when you like us, review us, share us, and subscribe to us. Each engagement makes this effort all the more worthwhile, and the best way to grow this podcast is by word of mouth. Support is appreciated. Check the show notes and up-to-date top tens list and other musings at asoundpurchase.com. You can engage with us on social media under the handle soundpurchasepod. You can support us by getting yourself a sound purchase t-shirt, hoodie, or mug by going to asoundpurchase.com forward slash shop. Other episodes of A Sound Purchase are available at all of your favorite podcast platforms. Why not subscribe to be a friend of the show, where you'll gain access to a hidden corridor of our website that contains exclusive blog posts, the Hall of Top Tens, special Friends of the Show merchandise options, and a series of bonus pods. Subscribe now at asoundpurchase.com forward slash F-O-T-S. If you've enjoyed the sounds during today's episode, visit your local record store and pick up a copy of the record. Support your local businesses and artists.